Hello and welcome to the January edition of the Xcoders Community Podcast. I'm Jared Sorge, and this uh, month we're joined by Jeff Pado from the Eastside Group. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Hi, uh, thank you for having me on. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in Xcoders, how long you've been an Xcoder and all that? Yeah, uh, I got involved in Xcoders pretty much right after I moved out to the Seattle area. Um, that was about four or five years ago. I got involved. I'd known about the Xcoders just from people online, seeing people discuss Xcoders out in Seattle type area. And when I moved out here, I got involved pretty quickly with the weekly Tuesday meetups in Seattle. And from there, kind of went to both of the meetup groups that happen monthly, the one in Seattle and the one in Redmond. I was living out on the east side at the time, and so I kind of gravitated more towards the east side one at the time, and the rest is history from there, I guess. Yeah, I think we met at the Tuesday NS Coder Nights. Yeah, I believe so. Several years ago, probably when I was still getting in, in like, uh, to be part of the group. And yeah. I remember you being really helpful with me with questions I had as I was like building a scorebook out and that kind of thing. So thank you for that. That's been a huge <laughs> help for me. Um, so do you attend both Seattle and Redmond still or are you primary Redmond? I, I, or? I primarily attend the Redmond one nowadays. One mm -hmm. of the weird quirks of Seattle traffic is that somehow it's easier for me to get from Seattle to Redmond than from Seattle to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> but... uh I, I so I primarily attend the Redmond one nowadays, and uh, yeah, I still attend the weekly one most Tuesdays. That's a little easier for me to get to, but mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't been to the. I, I was at the big fifteenth anniversary one a couple mm -hmm. months ago. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't made it to the Seattle one nearly as often as probably I would even as like. <laughs> And when does the Redmond group meet? I've only been there, I think, once, and that was many years ago. Yeah, the Redmond group meets on the fourth Thursdays of most months. We don't meet during um, the holidays on November and December because it conflicts with both Thanksgiving and Christmas, respectively. Yeah. So we kind of have this two-month hiatus in the winter. But other than that, it's fourth Thursday from January through October. Cool. And where at? Uh, we meet at the ThinkSpace in Redmond, Washington. It's a co-working space that has been generally or generously allowed for us to meet up in. And it's just a, it's, you know, it's not as fancy as the meetup area that we have in Seattle. It's more of um, a conference room type, actually, thing where you just have a uh, screen on the wall and you can present there but more or less everybody's just sitting around a conference table it makes for a more audience participation type feel than oh, that's cool in seattle i find which is really neat because like everybody's just sitting around a table and so it's very easy for people to ask questions or you know chime in on something if they you know want to fill in on anything it's it's really neat and there's a lot more of you build into your presentations expecting that somebody there might know more about some small fact than you do. And you can uh, kind of go on and let them talk for a bit too. And it's kind of more of a community 
presentation than necessarily one person just speaking to everybody. It'll be one person leading a discussion more. And so, yeah, I find that to be one of the interesting differences between the two groups. That's really cool. And have you guys always been at ThinkSpace or has it been moving around? I know in Seattle, we've been in Zulily for, I think, about upon three years now. Maybe. Yeah, I think we've three been, years. We've been at ThinkSpace as long as I've been there. I know that we weren't always at ThinkSpace, but I feel like it's been it's been more stable recently than the well i'm i'm acting like the stable the seattle group is super unstable the seattle group has been <laughs> the seattle group has been in two places in the amount of time that i've been there and the redmond group has only been in one so yeah <laughs> um, seattle's it's, definitely it's like been a, less stable historically because when i first started going i think we were at university of washington for a couple talks i went to we were at omni and then we moved down to um, Madrona in downtown, and then Zuli. And Zuli has been super stable for us and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I started going to the Seattle Xcoders when it was at Madrona, and then continued for a while when it was at Zuli. But in the the time that I've been going to the Redmond Xcoders, it has only ever not been at ThinkSpace once, and that was just a one-off meeting where we had we actually were at the google kirkland offices and oh nice the team there gave a presentation and that was really cool Mm -hmm. are any of the talks over there recorded like we get to do most of the time in seattle no we don't record them originally that came out of just lack of people willing to do it but now we've kind of discussed between the hosts there and we think that actually even if we had somebody willing to do the recording, and I've offered to do so in the past, we don't really want to do it. We want to keep it more of a informal presentation type format, and it allows us to get people in the room who are presenting there where it's often their very first time presenting, and they are in a, you know, kind of a, a very safe, friendly environment and nothing's going to be recorded. You're not going to have to see this on screen later and listen to that weirdness of your own voice and go like, wow, is that really what I sound like? Yeah. That kind of thing. And uh, you're not going to have to dwell on any mistakes or anything. It's just more we want to have it. You come in, you are in in this kind of friendly environment, and we all help you get together. And, and like I said, it's, it's more of a audience participation thing. You know, everybody gets together and we're really helping to, to get people comfortable with giving their first presentation. And so I think that that's something that we do really well on the East side. And, uh, I think that we've kind of decided that having long-term recordings of what you've done there is detrimental to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I can see it both ways. And I've gotten some feedback from uh, Rob Napier, I think, a while back. He told me that it was a a good thing to be putting people's talks uh, online. And on the West side, we don't mandate it by any stretch. If you don't want your Mm -hmm. talk recorded, you you don't have to have it recorded. Um, And I think that's what – but, like, the heart behind both of those scenarios 
is that we want Xcoders to be a safe place for you to give a talk and to feel like everyone's in your corner rooting for you to succeed. Yep. And if it's best done without recording, that's totally fine. We don't need to put anything up online. It's never been like a hard requirement because we're not really a group of hard requirements, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I, I'm not meaning to say that record not recording is definitely always best and recording is definitely always wrong i mm -hmm. appreciate having the recordings of the seattle x-cutters especially since i don't go to them as much yeah it's nice to be able to have those and it also can be something for somebody who is a new speaker is helping to build them up because you know mm -hmm. now they can reference something online or they can do something else but again i think it's just a difference in uh opinions between the two groups mm -hmm. And I imagine the roundtable-ish format makes it more difficult to record. Like when we did that, the that's true. Yeah. the anniversary thing a couple months ago, when we thought about doing a recording, the logistics of getting all three mics wired in, because typically we have like one hokey little uh, clip-on mic that just goes right into the computer that's being presented mm -hmm. from to record on. But we can't do that if we have multiple mics. And logistically, it becomes a lot more difficult. And the recording becomes less accessible if you've got people yep. talking all around the room. And so you it, can't hear anybody and whatnot. Yep. And even I think it would kill a little bit the ability for us to have that kind of conversation. Because, you know, you'd expect even if we had a second microphone or something, it's like, okay, somebody wants to chime in on something. Now we've got to wait for them to get past the microphone and <laughs> talk into it. And then go back and have a response. Whereas it can be a much more like just raise your hand real quick and mm -hmm. chime in on something yeah, versus totally. uh, whatever else. And of course, you know, then we have to hope that everybody in the room is consenting to being recorded. And that's, you know, w with the Seattle Xcoders, you've got a camera pointed at the speaker, you've got a microphone on the speaker and anybody else in the room, they're just you know, for the purposes of the recording, not really involved. I, I, that, that was a bad way of wording that. Because <laughs> now, now it makes, now we don't care about the audience now, but they're, they're not going to be, they're, they're not going to be individually focused on in the recording. Sure. Sure. Whereas we don't have an in, audience camera yeah. to capture yeah, exactly. questions. There, there and we that go. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a much better way of putting it. <laughs> uh, can you recall any favorite, Talks you've seen either at uh, uh, Redmond or Seattle Xcoders uh, in your time here? Honestly, the last one that we had in Redmond was one of my favorites of all time that I've seen at any of uh, the Xcoders. We had a talk by Chris Laurel, who works on the app Sky Guide. It's a um, you point it at the sky and it points out like different constellations and talks about stuff like that. They've been presented in some Apple keynotes and whatnot in the past, mm -hmm. but he gave a talk about kind of the weirdness of the three nothing types in Swift. That's nil, void, and never. Oh, yeah. And it was this really entertaining talk about the, the weirdness of how they are implemented and what kinds of tricks you can get out of how they are implemented, you know, the fact that you can have an optional void, which seems really <laughs> weird, but is, is actually something that you may want at some point. But, uh, 
What does that evaluate to if the value is dot sum? It's dot sum void. Dot sum void. Okay. And so, for example, let me go back to remembering how this talk works. One of the instances that you might get that is if you have a void method that could throw. And so if you try question mark that throwing method, uh -huh. it will either be void because it succeeded and did not throw, or it will be nil because it threw and it decided to give you a nil result. <laughs> and so you could do an if let whatever try question mark uh -huh. throwing method and then if that if let does not succeed, it means it's through, which you could do just as easily with a with a do uh, catch with a do catch. But, you know, uh, What's I the don't fun know exactly that? know why you would want to do that. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is a possibility there that you could you could if let instead of do catch just to handle a throwing void method. Wow. Now I'd and wish so I'd it, gone over there and seen the talk because it sounds yeah, no, fascinating. It was a great talk, and it was it was really well done. And yeah, there was, oh man, he he opened with this great quote from one of the Swift engineers about how Swift kind of has these three different talks topics about void. I never mind. I'm I should not have even <laughs> brought that up because I don't remember the the quote. But yeah, there was there was definitely this great quote about like. Um, nil is the absence of a thing and how void is the presence of nothing yeah. probably the presence of nothing yeah and never is a thing which cannot be <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds really confusing at first yep i might ping he, him and yeah, see if he can get the this... quote for the show notes yeah, I can find it. I, I, I remember who gave it. I can find it and send that to you at okay. the end of the conversation. That'd be awesome. Cool. And have you given many talks in your time at Xcoders? Yeah, I usually give about one talk a year at the Redmond Xcoders. I gave my first talk at Seattle this year. It was a talk that I'd given at Redmond in February, and I believe I gave it in Seattle in March. Yeah, that was the LLDB one, right? LLDB, yeah. Yeah. And the ways that you could expand LLDB to uh, do your bidding better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that was a case where I'd come up with something that I had... Actually, I'd originally presented it at work to the iOS team there and then was like, oh, hey, you know, I bet more people would be interested in that and gave it at... Xcoders in Redmond, and then I believe there was like a, a last-minute cancellation for the Seattle Xcoders, and I offered to fill in with that since I had given it like a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. That was a that was a really good one. It's a topic no, that's you. endlessly fascinating, and one of those things that I need to put more effort into getting better at. Yeah, for any iOS developer, you're going to run into LLD, LLDB or weirdness thereof mm -hmm. eventually. And oh, yeah. it's it's always great to be able to make your tools work more the way that you want them to work. Yeah, your tools work for you instead of against you. Yep. Yeah. LLDB does do a lot of working against you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, so you mentioned uh, your work. Where, where do you work and what do you do? Yeah, I work for a company called Rover.com. They are a 
What, what what is the official way to describe that? Hold on, sorry. A marketplace. Sorry, I'll start this sentence over. Yeah. <laughs> I work for a company called Rover.com. They are a marketplace that connects dog sitters and cat sitters and all kinds of pet sitters to owners, so that you can kind of book a somebody to come watch your dog or cat while you're away. So, you know, upcoming holidays or whatnot, I'm going and I'm traveling to visit family. I could leave my cat with my cats, uh, with a (laughs) Rover sitter and have them, you know, know that they're in good care and they're being watched by somebody rather than just, you know, being watched by a neighbor left at some kennel somewhere. And so have much more of a kind of one-to-one experience with that. Cool. And you're on the iOS team there? Uh, so, <laughs> been some recent reshuffling. Sorry, <laughs> that was that was uh, more awkward than it needed to be. There's been some recent re- reshuffling at our company, and we don't really have dedicated mobile team anymore. We now have Whoa. the mobile... Uh, we have the mobile engineers integrated with all of the feature teams, and so all okay. of our... You know, rather than saying, oh, you know, the mobile team is over here and the API team is over here, we now have people who are dedicated to, like, the sitter experience. And that will be a mix of front-end web developers and API developers and mobile developers, and that allows us to have quicker feedback loops. Whereas before it was like, you know, oh, we want to do this feature, like, let's book time with the mobile team. Mm -hmm. That's not something that we have to do anymore that that's something where there's going to be a dedicated mobile resource for each area of functionality. And so I am specifically on the developer productivity team at Rover. And my job is to make all of the other developers happy. So I have gotcha. My customers are, are right there next to me. And it's something where, you know, I'm helping improve our build times or helping improve our developer tools as we discussed with my talk earlier stuff like that where i'm i'm trying to make the lives easier of the people who are building stuff that go to our end users i see that's fascinating when i was at zulily we we were a a mobile team and there was about 10 total between ios android and we had our own uh, api developers because we had our own api layer and then when yeah. I went to Lyft, Lyft was structured very much like what you're talking about with feature teams with some underlying like infrastructure that kind of spans all the feature team uh, verticals. So mm-hmm. I've been on both sides of, of it. And actually, as far as I understand, Zool is doing a similar transition now as well, where they're going to their feature team structures uh, instead of just like having a centralized mobile team. Okay. How many how many iOS developers are at Rover? I believe it's around 10 at this point. Okay. Let me, yeah. I, I, yeah, I believe that's about right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, having moved around, it's <laughs> moved around a couple times, and so it's it's uh, not top of mind anymore. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I could talk a lot more about this. And then an equivalent number of Android developers as well, so. Right, right. I imagine there's, as you have a mobile people embedded on a feature team, is like equivalent number of iOS and Android per mm-hmm. team. Because it's not like you're yeah. being, it's not like you're being asked to do full stack, 
development. You can still specialize in iOS or Android, but you're doing it as part of a feature as opposed to knowing the entirety of the app. Yeah, that's right. And we will have people moving towards being more full stack, but there's definitely a aspect of it of, you know, definitely the people that have been doing iOS for 10 years or whatever are probably going to continue to be the iOS focused people, but we want to be able to make it so that, you know, if somebody has something that touches everything, that they can do that all in one PR as opposed to, you know, okay, well, I'm going to do this and now you need to do this part and you need to do that part. Yeah. Some of the more smaller, minor things, it would be nice if we could get people into an area and, you know, going the reverse way as well. You know, it would be really great if a iOS developer like myself could go in and be like, well, I need just this one little tweak to the API. I can just go in and do it as opposed to having somebody over there do it. Cool. So uh, one last question, I guess, about Xcoders. Um, on the Seattle side, we usually convene after meetings at a place called the Cyclops. Do you guys mm-hmm. have a similar uh, watering hole on the, yep. uh, on the Redmond side? Yeah, we have a Irish pub slash restaurant called JJ Mahoney's that we meet up at. It's mm-hmm. over in a kind of shopping center area nearby where we are. And so everybody either walks or drives a small area, uh, drives a small distance over to there. And we kind of go and basically recreate exactly the scenario that we had (laughs) at the thing. And everybody sits around a large table and just has little discussions. Very cool. sounds like a good group over there. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely a great group of people that we have. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the other hosts, Rom and Regine, are very, uh, very nice, very friendly people, and always welcoming to, you know, both newcomers and the everybody that's been there forever, equally. So mm-hmm. nice. So if you're on the east side in the Redmond kind of area, you should definitely look up the Redmond Xcoders. Yep, definitely. We will. Uh, we'll be back on January. Uh, the the fourth Thursday of January. Hold on, let me look that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the twenty third. Twenty third. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, definitely come by. We'll be back on January the twenty third, and we'll have a topic then, and we'll be uh, we'll be there, and we'll be at JJ Mahoney's afterwards. Perfect. Thanks for coming on the show, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Oh yeah, thanks for having me.